Hey, pal. Well, I have pals. Welcome to the latest episode of Hey Pal, I'm Coachable. Thank you very much for joining us, as always. I'm appreciative of you inviting me into your weekly podcast rotation. You would have noticed this week a little bit of a later release than our normal ones, but uh, it was in line with what we did during Cake Week last week. And, uh, you know, maybe try it out. Maybe the weekend release is the best release. We'll find out. Please let me know. As you as you know, uh, hit me up, the DMs, uh, on the Instagram, at HeyPalImCoachable, on X at heypalpod or even uh, at the gmail address heypalunmailable at gmail.com let me know what you think but uh, looking towards going maybe a weekend release and uh, for, for you if you wanted to go on your you know your Sunday beach walks with the strolls and want to listen to me instead of the beach you know takes all kinds anyway speaking of takes all kinds it takes all kinds it takes a village it takes an army it takes any other sort of group that you want to, a flock a herd um, to put something together and then for an event to have an everlasting memory. And this week's guest is Giles O'Brien from Created by Giles. And I've known Giles uh, for a long time now through our work through EPW Perth Wrestling. But uh, it's been since uh, since he's uh, left the regular uh, hold, hold, not probably, I was thinking more a nurturing term, but, um, you know, nestling from the EPW uh, bosom, ah, no, anyway, that's probably going to be edited out, it's not, because I'm a terrible editor, but this guy isn't, he's a great editor, so Giles O'Brien, he puts together videos, he's a videographer, um, of great events through the, uh, Perth Fringe Festival, you see him popping about, he's done a lot of work with EPW and putting their shows together in the past as well, uh, Lukey Boland comedian as well, some really great artists have, uh, trusted this man, to not only capture their event, but then also put it together and have that live on for forever. Well, forever, ever? It's forever, ever? Anyway, forever seems like a long time, but this guy is so good at what he does that it does, it stands the test of time. So we've got a chance this week to have a chat to him about all things editing, all things putting together a great production as well from that regard. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, as I'm about to welcome again in the pre-record, but... It's our interview with Giles O'Brien from Created by Giles. Well, this week's guest is, uh, you know, someone who I'm fortunate to have been a mate with for quite some time. Well, fortunate for me, I'm not sure if he feels the same, but um, just an absolute dynamo of a wizard with editing, with filming, everything that goes into the the post-production and really making an event or a sporting contest look as good as it possibly can be for, you know, months, days, years to come. Probably got those orders the wrong way around. But this man has uh, edited together professional wrestling shows and also some award-winning comedy shows, award-winning fringe festival stuff. So, you know, without any further ado, I've got the man from Created by Giles, Giles himself, Giles O'Brien. So, Giles, hey, pal. Hey buddy, how you doing? I was I was listening to that and just starting to think uh, there was someone else in this this Zoom call. Like, who's he talking about? <laughs> just look over the <laughs> shoulder, sort of thing. Yeah, no, no, definitely you, Giles. And you know, uh, we're gonna have to pry away the uh, the layers of the onion there today, so you can actually talk yourself up there today, because I know you 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 more so talk about the work, which we will get into. But um, I really appreciate you joining in, and uh, like the I don't think a lot of people really 
spend a lot of time or maybe as much time as they should thinking about how an event um, can come across, you know, and be produced for after the fact. And I think it's a really big marketing tool for getting more people to your event, getting more people to your sporting contest, whatever it is, by having some, you know, slick, high quality video production. So that's why I'd like to delve into that deeper today with you and, you know, have you coach me up on it. Um, but sure. before we before we get there, let's take a little bit of the scenic journey. And uh, as uh, as I like to do with my guests, we are technically a sporting podcast. So I just want to know a little bit more about your fandoms when it comes to the world of sport. Any particular sports, teams, athletes? And, and I know you've delved in the professional wrestling world, any wrestlers. So tell me a little bit about your, your sporting fandom, Giles. So um, even from a young age, it was wrestling. Um, I, when I, because obviously I was born in Ireland. Anytime I'd go over to my grandparents' uh, place, if the wrestling was on, that was what me and my granddad were watching. The first ever event that we watched was WrestleMania 3. So not a bad one to come in on. Yeah. um, Not with any Roddy Piper, but mainly the uh, main (laughs) event of he was Andre the Giant to my Hulk Hogan. Um, So that was it. And it just kind of segued from there as much. As Hogan was the big thing, I was a macho man, Randy Savage, and Jake the Snake fan, which evolved into Shawn Michaels, which kicked off to Undertaker. Um, surprise, surprise, I'm a nerd. So <laughs> sport was never a big deal for me as a kid. I like, would play basketball during the winter, play baseball during the summer. Um, I follow Chelsea, even though all the women in my family are Liverpool supporters, including my brother-in-law as well good choice um, it's me and my dad so it's surrounded by red um and i'm a bit of a masochist because i continue to have the green bay packers as my team for the nfl so yeah um i like i like to i would love to say i like to support the underdog but i i think i just have some poor poor life decisions when it comes to sport <laughs> okay you added from when that comes to sport but no uh um but I, I want to touch on wrestling a little bit, um, you know, a bit of a common theme with some of our shows that, you know, I know many, many of you wonderful human beings through that pro wrestling, um, I guess, telescope. But what do you think that it was that attracted you to to wrestling there? I mean, some of those uh, names you just mentioned, some of the most influential characters, even though they, they had the performance side of it in terms of the in-ring, uh, you know, I guess, athletic action. But what was it that drew you to that professional wrestling world as a fan? It was, it was the character work. It was, it was something that you could sit down and you'd have your traditional good guy versus bad guy. And that, that's, that's your basis for all wrestling really. But it's the ones that just have something, that little X factor, that little bit of a sparkle that draws the eye. Um, Like wrestling in the eighties, as anyone who knows wrestling knows the eighties, it was Hulk Hogan. Yep the year-long storyline of him and, like, Macho Man when they broke up and then it was they were facing off for the title at that year's WrestleMania. I was devastated as a kid when, uh, as far as I saw, Hogan runs out with Miss Elizabeth, <laughs> leaving Macho Man to get his ass kicked. And, yeah. and then I'm being told by my granddad, no, Hogan's the good guy, Macho Man's gone crazy. I'm like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. Hogan's a jerk. <laughs> But it, it, it was the characters. It was something that, hey, you could, you can put something on and just entertain people. And yeah, 
it was just yeah performance really that's that's what it comes down to it's the performance that i always enjoyed yeah uh, no doubt and i think now you know what is it 30 40 years later people have come around on the uh hogan is a jerk sort of thing and i'm not talking about the 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 off-screen exploits they're like like looking back at it, it's like oh some of those things he did but he was just so charismatic that you know everyone got caught up in it um now let's fast forward a little bit there to uh, you really got involved with events and performance and things like that, from my understanding, by uh, joining and linking up with EPW Perth. Um, so you've you've had a couple of guises there and a couple of things that have happened through that. Tell me how you got into EPW Perth and what your role was on screen, for want of a better term. Oh, uh, I was the head referee or senior referee for EPW, Giles O'Brien. Um, the... Originally, I got into EPW, so to rewind it back, uh, myself, Callan, and his partner, Donna, we would go to the EPW shows, and we we were there as fans. Uh, funnily enough, the first show I ever saw, I remember as just tying into the whole performance thing, I remember hearing uh, Rob Dugan Club to Death start yeah. playing for one of the wrestlers coming out. And I, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, right, this guy better be tall and dark looking or I'm out. Like you guys are just cosplayers. Um, yep. And Richter walks out, six yep. foot, long black hair, angry looking. And yep. I was sitting in the crowd going, yep, okay, you know what you're doing. Excellent. So we just, we just became very, very interested as fans, found out that they were having tryouts and it was just like, let's do it. Let's, let's go. We'll, we'll go. We went on separate training uh, camps that they had. And this is back when there was the, the two day camps. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I rocked up to the second day, could barely walk because the amount of, I wasn't in great shape, but like the amount of lunges and squats and everything, my yeah. quads were killing me. I still rocked up on the second day and uh, Devlin Reeves saw me. I was, he was so mad. And I was looking at him going, what, what, what have I done wrong? So he put 50 bucks on the line to say I wasn't going to turn up. <laughs> so I occasionally remind him that, yes, I have cost him money repeatedly. The, um, but we fast forward a, a couple of years and there was just an opportunity. Uh, one of the referees that they had was going to be going to the States. Yep. When he came back, he was going to be coming back as a wrestler. He wasn't going to be a ref anymore. So they just had this spot and uh, it was Dave who turned around and said, do you want to give it a go? I'm like, sure. Like, let's see how it go. And I had my first match and it, I think it was okay. I didn't screw anything up and it just slowly but surely progressed from there would get, or like the shows were on. I was the referee, get the black and white stripes on, go from there. Um, just don't be shit. And yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of got a lot of opportunities over the years as a referee. Well, that's it. I don't think like uh many people who um look at wrestling from the outside and even, you know, even some really, you know, I guess hardcore fanaticals don't realize just how important that role of the referee is at any level of a of a professional wrestling event, whether it's your your big WWE WrestleManias or the Elimination Chamber that's coming to Perth next year, or your your local promotions, because you know they're really the conductor in there. So you got your athletes, however many, two, four, whatever, who are you know going through the the moves and whatnot. But that um, that referee has an important role in conducting and yeah. sort of helping to control 
the match so that it gets to the outcomes, not only of those performers, but also what the show and the, and the promoters are looking for. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing in there. Yeah. The, like the referee can make a match look crap. Um, I've like, I've seen it just on, it doesn't matter the level. If you ever look at a referee and they're just kind of slouched in the corner. Yep. Because like they know, they know it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be required to, to do a three count or tell someone to get off the ropes or anything like that. If they're just like hanging in the corner, like it's a casual Saturday night mm. that detracts the eye from a live performance and uh, like from the post-production people are just like automatically drawn to that. Cause it's like, well, hang on. If you look like you don't care about what these two wrestlers are doing or whatever, whatever's going on in the ring, if you look like you don't care, why should I care? I'm, I'm paying attention yeah. to you. The interesting part is the complete opposite is also true. If you yeah. have a referee who is too into it or too over the top, it cheapens whatever the, um, whatever the wrestlers are trying to do as well. Like it's a very fine line of you're the referee. It's never about you, which yeah is hilarious coming from me <laughs> considering there was uh segments or uh, parts of matches and even the fact i had a match yeah where yeah it was kind of about me i never went into a wrestling ring as the ref to make it about me yeah. i was there to make sure that my responses were tied into whatever the wrestlers were doing so if some like if someone gets chopped in the corner and it sounds brutal, I'm wincing because it's yeah. like eh, I don't want to do that. Uh, never faked it. Like if I I had a lot more grimacing on the face or something like that. Never went over the top. But yeah, I knew my role is probably the way I would say it. Um, and that was that really did lead to uh, all the the different opportunities because I've I've worked with. Obviously, the the guys in WA, I've worked with guys over East, had the opportunity to go up and ref at uh, what was called Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Darwin mm. uh, a couple of years ago on their first show. Uh, international tours, when they came through, like, refed international yep. stars, which was great. So, and I don't think there was a single match type that I didn't, actually ref four so yeah. when it when it came to hang up the stripes it was literally a day of well i've kind of done it all uh there's nothing really else for me to do let's let's move it on and see where we go from there yeah big time and and you you obviously were a huge part of the the show and the uh, i guess the folklore of epw um and and professional wrestling throughout the state as well and to your point the referee just gives that legitimacy to to the contest because uh, we were speaking about it the other week on the show and you've got to have that suspension of disbelief and I think the referee plays a huge part in that because they're the ones who are there treating it as a legitimate genuine athletic contest but Definitely. um before we uh transition into the, the the huge part of what we're here to talk about today um what was your favorite moment during that I guess uh performance part of your your career as it were in epw Oof. um if you can yeah. narrow it down because there's a lot of cool <laughs> stuff you did 
Oh, look, um, the very, the very, very obvious one is having having a match with David Storm. Yeah. Um, followed very quickly by a bit of a tongue in cheek thing of every time I refed uh, Marcus Pitt and David Storm, mm-hmm. the two of them kicked my ass <laughs> every match. And it was because I was editing the shows, I'd never noticed it, went back and then it was prior to prior to what's going up to pro wrestling Darwin. And I messaged the two of them and said, do you realize every time we do a match, one or both of you find a way to take me out like every time. So when we get up to pro wrestling Darwin, I was going to be refing their match. And they've turned around. It's like cool. So what we're going to do is you're going to be sandwiched in the corner, <laughs> and I'm going to charge in, and Dave's going to move. So I'll yeah. take you out, and then Dave's going to charge in to take me out, but I'm going to move, and then you're just taken out for like 15 minutes because we need to work the outside of the ring. Yeah. And a part of me was just like, you're you're doing that. If I had not said anything to you, this this probably probably wouldn't happen. Uh, it has led to multiple. Uh, happy birthday gifts to the pair of them because uh, I found <laughs> the footage. But now the besides that the um, the the match the match with Dave is obviously a clear a clear winner mm. because we worked ourselves into doing the match. And I'm going to put a proviso on it was a hundred percent his idea. Um, it was not my idea at all. It just happened that. The show, or there was a show that happened. He lost the match, couldn't win the uh, title, or didn't win the title. And there was footage where I was handing the title to uh, Logan Gray, who had won. And Dave was reaching out from the ground, trying to grab the title like the, no, it's mine. Yeah. And the footage shows me looking at the title, looking at his hand, and pushing his hand away, and then giving the belt. It was a nothing thing. The next day, uh, we were out. Dave's turned around to me and gone, cool, I've got an idea. It's like, what? I don't know how we're going to work it, but we're going to have a match. And I was like, cool, Dave. That's a horrible idea. But you know <laughs> what? We'll, we'll do it. So he came up with the storyline. Um, and the, it even led to like him doing a promo in the middle of the ring, calling me out. And I remember standing there going, I 100% agree with everything he's saying, but I'm supposed to argue with him. But he's making a really good case of how I'm a bad person. Um, but yeah, it had the match. Uh, I didn't win. Uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> shock. Right. The, um, I, th- I think one of the, the biggest laughs that we had of I've come out to the ring and you probably won't see it because I was editing the show. But suddenly from the drinking section, all these black and white streamers came flying into the ring and Dave started laughing his ass off. So I didn't, it wasn't planned by me, but it was just, it was just a great little thing added on to uh, my eventual return as a ref at reawakening that year Mm. uh, where Dave continued his hatred of referees had managed to take out all the other ones. Yep. Then I've walked out and he just had the look like he's seen a ghost right before he uh, he got pinned. So it was a good, 
that was probably a definite highlight. And when you try and explain explain it to anyone else, they kind of look at you and go, wait, what? It's like, yeah, his idea. It was yeah. his idea. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he's got uh, such a great mind for um, professional wrestling moments and uh, definitely want to hit him up to have a chat uh, in the future. There's so many things we could pick his brain about, but that was a really well done story and moment. And we were speaking before um, before we started recording about just how important telling a good story is because then the crowd gets invested and whatnot. So it was a really yeah. cool moment that you had earned through that storytelling. But we'd love to wax lyrical about the world of pro wrestling from the inside of the squared circle, but that would be a podcast that would probably be a 10 hour thing. And uh, we might lose friends <laughs> over that. <laughs> but, um, let's start wipe here. Let's, let's move to um, editing the shows. So how did you get your start in editing in general? Was that through EPW or was that something you dabbled in beforehand? Tell us how you got an interest in, and you start there in editing work together. Well, funnily enough, I'd actually, I went to university, like after high school, um, during high school was always very interested in performing arts. So I was, I was the one who would be, as soon as it was like a high school play, I was off to the high school play. Yeah. Um, and then when it was, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> hey, look at this film and video. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. So I actually went to uni, got my uh, bachelor in communications, which had a major in film and video. Uh, and it was in there that I actually discovered, hey, I really enjoy uh, editing of just like putting things together. You give me the footage and uh, let's see what story I can make of that. Though there's stories from the various student uh, films that we did which we can talk about later. Um, but no, it, what, once I had the, uh, the course was finished, I had my diploma, it was all great. And that was it. Because back, back then, if you wanted to work in film or videography, you had to move Eastern, Eastern yeah. States. There was no opportunities in Perth. Um, just just because the the industry hadn't built up in any way, shape, or form, it's why like when you watch Neighbors back in the day, any actors that were leaving, uh, their families were moving to Perth. It was just seen <laughs> as that's that you were drowning or you were moving to Perth. Those were the two things. <laughs> so I just had of like, cool. What am I going to do? Well, I'll just keep work. I was working at night or in hospitality at nightclubs, so I just figured. Cool. I'll keep doing that, and uh, this this nice little certificate can just sit on the shelf. Uh, I I think I've got it somewhere. I <laughs> I haven't seen it for a couple of years. It's an expensive piece of paper to lose. Very much so. But um, like I still had the interest in putting things together. So I was I was one of those people who, when you'd have the anime. Uh, shows to set to Lincoln Park. I was the type of person who was doing that. I don't think I was very good at it uh, because I didn't understand the different animes, but I really enjoyed what was going on. So I would just dabble from there. And funnily enough, like as I was, um, which segues back into the wrestling, hmm. I had it that 
uh, Jamie was the editor for EPW at the time and needed some help. And of course, hey, I know how to edit. So it slowly started of working with him on the uh, event recaps. Okay. So go through. So I would edit it together, send it through to him. He'd look at it and go, change this, this, this. Cool. Bring it back, go from there. And then that just slowly evolved of, okay, well, if you don't, you're doing event recaps, you're going to do, or start doing the promo videos. Yeah. Getting the guys filming them. Uh, for those who may not be aware, so what's a, what what's involved with a promo video for those who might not be in, in the world of wrestling as a fan? Uh, the good ones don't involve the wrestlers. <laughs> so, no, look, um, promo videos will be basically, you could very dumb it down very simply to, er, I'm wrestler A and I don't like you, wrestler B. We're going to have a fight on Saturday and you can buy tickets here and go to the links here to check out all the other things that are going on. Yep. Please come to our show. Um, I am very much of having wrestlers and wrestlers cutting promos can be really, really smooth and very fast or like pulling teeth. Yep. And it, it can just be a case of if if they if they're not confident in being able to get across their message or it just feels very fake to them, yeah, it's like cool. You film this, and it sounds like the example I just gave of wrestler A, wrestler B. Can can you at least pretend that you care about this? Yeah. So it's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. Like professional wrestlers, even you know, uh, at the lower levels, because you know uh, everyone has a start somewhere there. So you, yeah. you work your way up for the most part, unless you're you know a, a YouTube celebrity or you know former this or former that. But um, everyone else starts from somewhere, and works their way up. And the, the interesting thing about wrestlers in general is like there'll be some that you look at them perform on the show and you just go that is one of the most incredible athletes i've ever seen and then you put a camera in their face and say tell me why you did what you just did and they're like i don't know like like they just turn into you know someone from the the star wars you know prequels just like so wooden don't know what to do with themselves so um yeah it's it's a weird thing to try and coax out of some pro wrestlers because a lot of them aren't aren't trained actors or you know get into that sort of character it's which is crazy when you when you see uh, these guys and girls coming out in all sorts of ring attire or they put so much thought into their presentation and what's going to go on in their match and what they're going to do after and the reactions from there. You would think that right in front of the camera, just do that. Yeah. And suddenly they're standing there looking like a Magikarp. Just like, <laughs> uh, don't know what to do. It's like, just... Pretend it's a match, but no. So it was, it was a case of it evolved from our, the work evolved from there. And then uh, took on the uh, responsibility of entrance videos yep. for the wrestlers because the, for APW, the production was evolving uh, to the point where they were going to have a screen at every show. Yep. And uh, so many of the wrestlers just, there wasn't the, necess- uh, the necessity to have an entrance video. Pardon me. So that was where it's like, okay, cool. What song are you coming out to? Excellent. You're coming out to that one. And here's here's one key point. There is not a single wrestler 
who has a good ear for entrance music. <laughs> Not they one. All, they all suck. Um, <laughs> you can, even even veterans and uh, I've name dropped them enough. Davis Storm, the worst. Like <laughs> his entrance has like thirty seconds of rain on the screen because the intro is so long. He can get away with it, uh, but my God, I sent him so much abuse because I made that entrance video. Um, but yeah, it's just like, oh, I really like this song. Yes, you do. It's a great song, but you are missing all the components that would require it to be a good entrance song. Go back and come back to me later. Yeah, so, and that's a big part of the presentation. I think you mentioned it with the first show that you went to, that Club to Death song, and exactly. it's like that presentation of this big imposing figure that Richter was a character who was, as you say, over six foot tall, a giant, and he would just stalk his way to the ring, and it was just like the perfect combination of, of song and whatnot. And obviously back then they didn't have the videos, but to your point, that's why that song choice is really important when you're when you're looking at doing the videos like you did. Yeah. It was, it was the whole thing where, yeah, and probably one of the key points for it as well is whatever song you want, 20 seconds to 25 seconds is when you should be walking out the onto the stage or the rampway or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't sound like a long time, but when you have uh, 20 seconds of just a music track playing and nothing happening... It, it can feel like forever. Yes. So wrestlers who are looking at going, oh yeah, look, this song, this intro is like 43 seconds. It'll be fine. It, it really won't. And it will, it will draw away from um, your presentation because the wind will come out of the sails for the audience mm. because it's just so long. It's like, oh yeah, finally he's walking out. Good. Um, which in fairness, then ties into the actual presentation of the entrance video of making it interesting on the screen so their eyes are watching whatever that's doing mm. before then being drawn to uh, you walking out onto the stage or the entrance. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all about the presentation. Yeah, big time. And um, as, as you say, it's just like it's just adding to it and building that anticipation for someone. And if it's like you and, and um, the Roses, we went to that first show, you want to be introduced to what the character is if you've never seen it before. And that's where that video plays a big part. So you've been doing promo videos, we're doing entrance videos. And then how did that morph into, I guess, becoming the main man? Because I'm a psychopath. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes. <laughs> but then, but I, if someone's wanting to get into, you know, editing, you can't just say be a psychopath because then we've got lawsuits on our hands. Oh, look, just, oh, I, I would turn around and say, don't, don't do it to yourself. Um, <laughs> All right. The end. Let's roll the credits right yeah, now. Cool. That was, thanks for a great chat. No, uh, that's right. <laughs> this week on help me to help me. Anyway, sorry. Go exactly. Ahead. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> so it was, and as much, as much as I say that the, it, it was a case that even as I'm thinking about how did it actually start happening, it comes right back to blaming David Storm. <laughs> he is the bane of my existence. That is what I'm coming back to when it comes to wrestling. Um, we had it of, so it ties into, uh, we had the, we had the, uh, the promo videos and the 
um, this back catalog of all this footage, and it was just sitting on hard drives. It wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And Dave had um, had reached out to Mikey J, uh, who was working with MCW back in the day, because they had uh, the Vimeo channel. Yeah. That was on for there, and. It was just looking at going, okay, is this a feasible thing? Like, could this be something we could uh, we could do? So he wanted to find the ins and outs before posing it and saying, hey, what do you think? So I, he messaged me and just was like, look, this is what I'm thinking. How about we uh, edit the shows and then we can put them up online? So that way... Uh, people such as yourself and uh, Adam Parry or Dean Olson, uh, yeah. the commentary tracks that no one ever hears because <laughs> these shows were not going up anywhere. Yeah, They have a home and we can go from there. And I was just like, yep, makes sense to me. And look, it was, it was something that I was just like, okay, well, I've got all the footage. I'll start putting it together and uh, we'll go from there. And that was that was really how how it started of just getting a lot more practice for myself of okay we're not talking about uh 30 to 45 second promo videos we're talking long form editing of ensuring your audio feeds are all synced up the video is all working uh, commentary is all linked up removing dead space to go from there and it, it's an entirely different beast to something that would be just your quick, sharp, get the attention span going of uh, anyone who's watching to, hey, you're sitting down with some popcorn or pizza and you're going to watch a wrestling show. Yeah. Very, very different. Um, and then, of course, as I said, because I'm crazy, uh, came up with the idea of, well, hang on. We're, we're going with all these, the live events, and we've got like a year's worth of shows on there. But we have all these hard drives with like 10 years worth of events that no one's ever seen. We should put those up online as well. So, uh, and we originally it launched uh, the EPW from the vault yep. uh, with a competition that was that was what really kicked it off of you you subscribe to this and we'll um we'll fly you to the reawakening of that year why so that was dave's idea he was just like yeah this would be like you could go there so they paid the airfare of someone who flew from i believe it was melbourne came over I for that year's reawakening um i think they were also starting to panic a bit because there was a large subscription base uh, from England. Yes, yeah. So they were they were starting to stress of like, hang on, that's that's a lot more expensive than what we were thinking. It's like, well, you're the ones who ran the idea. I just <laughs> like, but no, when they actually did because it was a, a raffle draw, like pulled a, a receipt and it was someone from Melbourne. So oh, I think there was much breathing <laughs> start to occur from there. It was it was crazy. Just to quickly segue, like, as um, when I was looking after social media for EPW, and it was shortly after you left, I was also sort of you know put Vimeo on my t my desk as well. I'm like, I don't know, I'll probably just ask you all the questions anyway. But it was interesting to see 
that that viewership where it came from and you said there was a huge you know european um contingent there was even american contingent of people who just love pro wrestling i mean you look at uh wwe when they i think it was 2014 off the top of my head it might have been 13 sorry where they had their wwe network Mm -hmm. and you see that thirst and that appetite for pro wrestling fans to watch the most obscure stuff and you're right like and that's why going back to you know the importance of the video editor and things like that how much of a marketing tool and how much reach you can get not just with pro wrestling but whatever your event is so yeah it's, uh, that's crazy to think that 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 competition existed um i hope you gave them the full vimeo list of, of viewers before you did that yes no 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 we had uh, it was the whole thing i think that was probably what was stressing them a bit more because you had to for the time you had to have the subscription like it yeah. had to be active you couldn't just buy it and then not maintain it mm. um, so and then we 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 drew it out in at the beginning of october because uh reawakening for that year was going to be early november yeah and it was just it was just this long list at of people and it was just like right quickly jump on the internet and just get it to generate a number bam who was that this person and like i remember looking at it and going okay so the line above was someone from england the line but the two lines below were both america and then there was like four lines that were all australian like one was like down the road from yeah. uh, where <laughs> we're going like that would have just been really freaking awkward if <laughs> they weren't from like if they had been like in karatha that's okay like we'll yeah. fly you down for that but it's like hey you're in Wanneroo. Sure, we'll uh, we'll we'll send you a, a taxi. That that's what we'll do. I could have no. spruced out for a helicopter or something. Done the old yes. Rick Flair landing. Might as well fly them from England for that cause. Well, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, but it is. It's like as you say. It's. I think it's one of the big things as well for um, like post production side of it. These are all live performances, mm. and everything that works for the live performance that's all well and good once that show's ended that's when the focus of the live performance stops you're now in a whole other realm of that post-production this is where people such as yourself and uh, adam and all the other comment brad and luke who also did commentary for the wrestling mm. are key components to that post-production presentation because you're not relying on the crowd as much to tell or help react to the story. You're relying on the commentators to tell people who it might be the first time that they're actually watching it on, on the Vimeo or the YouTube or wherever it's playing, why they should care. Yeah. So it's a whole other beast. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I won't, won't big up myself because, uh, but the commentators in general, and we touch on this on the the episode we did a few weeks back with Adam, commentary is so important to add to that that final you know piece of the production as well. And as you say, tell that story, whether it is of a character or whether what the issue is and things like that, basically giving people the stakes and why they should care about what they're watching. But um, this is about you. So we're going to go oh. back to, you know, that pro wrestling uh, sort of show, editing it together. 
what's it like? I mean, what's the most challenging parts of it? What are your key things you're looking for? Uh, how annoying is it when you have to edit out Adam and myself just making fun of you, knowing that you're the one <laughs> listening to the the live audio track between matches? What What's it like? What's that process look like for, I guess, the nitty gritty of, of someone who is, has that keen interest there in the editing side of things? So, oh, look, it's not, the good thing is you two always limited it to just before the bell rang. So I knew I could just like cut it out and I'll send you a message later. The, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's a, funnily enough, it's, it comes down a lot to communication. Um, like I would be, so I'd be editing the show and at the time it, there was always, there's always the, uh, for EPW, they would have the two ring camps plus the hard camp. And I, I am very set in my ways. I, there's, there's things that I like to do mm-hmm. and there's things that I don't like to do. And I have reasons of why I don't like it. Yep. That's for me. That is just a me preference. If you like that, knock yourself out, go do that. Yep. For me, no. You touch the Zoom and I'll break your fingers. Um, that's not an oh, idle threat either guys oh. uh, I, I've heard that quote many a time <laughs> from Giles walking around ringside with people who've never held the camera before always and that, that was the thing besides idly threatening uh, the people who are going to be working with the cameras it was giving giving them a run through of okay break up the ring you're going to be filming on this side he's going to be filming that side mm. break up the ring to go from there film from this angle to do this Touch the zoom, lose the finger. Uh, <laughs> angling, different different positioning, and it sounds like a like if you're just holding the camera for the first time, it sounds like a lot. Mm. But when it gets when I get the footage or when I would get the footage, there are certain angles that I'm looking for. I want to be able to highlight uh, larger impacts. Uh, I need you to be in position and making sure everything's framed. No one cares about the soles of someone's boots if you've cut their head off. That yes. just automatically means that shot's not used. WWE, just as an example, I can't watch their shows. It yeah. gives me motion sickness. Mm. And I understand that the reason why they use the Zoom so much these days is because they are rated PG. So by hiding the impacts of the moves, uh, it's diminishing the fact that these moves are hurting other people. Therefore, you're PG. Also, it's to hide the fact that Hulk Hogan can't move anymore. But <laughs> is that genuinely the reason? That, that, that was the original reason for that was Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, that's an instant classic for all the wrong reasons. Oh, it's and it's horrible. But it was also because Shawn buried him. Um, afterwards but it was the whole thing Hogan not a spring chicken older guy had a couple of knee replacements hip replacements he couldn't physically move as fast as Sean so to hide that they would use quick uh, camera cuts and fast zoom ins to go from there unfortunately they loved it so much that they've kept doing it and I think the last WWE event that I watched was um, a couple of years ago in the pandemic. Mm. And like, I, I was genuinely getting motion sick because every five seconds, zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. Yep. It's disorientating. You watch a so, uh, company like AEW, 
and it's more of a it's it's similar to the style that I would film at of you're locked in with one camera and you're allowing what's happening to be seen. Yeah. To go from there. I think it's that's why they they paint themselves a bit more as a wrestling company rather than the WWE, which is sports entertainment. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're two different beasts, uh, two different birds of a feather, as it were. And it's interesting because you're right, like that style that you talk about, that you have the preference for, um, I think, and it goes back to, I guess, some of our other conversations as well. It just allows it to breathe a bit more. And, yeah. you know, as you say, you know, WWE might be trying to hide the impact, whereas that you see the impact, you can you can feel it. You can then look at the, uh, the restless face where they're feeling it and whatnot. So it's a different sort of style. But one thing you just mentioned there that I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you talked about how that was sort of a style that was created to hide those limitations of, of Hulk Hogan. I think that was back in 05 and even then wasn't a spring chicken at that stage. But um, what what sort of your views or philosophies on trying to, you know, keep it clean and and hide those things that might be lacking for a performer? Because with all due respect, when you have wrestling at local levels, there's going to be performance who aren't necessarily what you see at WWE. So what's your sort of techniques or strategies or thoughts about trying to clean that up and make sure that it's still the best possible presentation for that company? Um, my perspective is you you protect the talent. Yep. If if it's a case that um, a move, like you want, you're wanting people to invest in whoever it is. So you want everything to look sharp and uh well yeah clean so perfect example um was there was a show i was editing a wrestler decided to do a standing moonsault yep and to this day he might do it these days i'm not sure i had never seen him do this before but it was a big event so that was what he was going with yeah he completely missed. Mm. Like, so if you looked at it from just the one camera angle, you see him kind of go up and then land and completely miss the person that he was aiming for. Yeah. So that, if I had just run this one camera angle showing that, uh, not even commentary could save it. Uh, he and we sure did try. Oh, oh, you would. He would instantly, he instantly looks bad. Like the the balloon deflates because yeah. it's like, well, if you can't hit that, then why would anyone care? Because yeah. you've 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 botched this. It wasn't a a planned set or a segment where someone's getting the knees up. Yeah. So in the actual editing, um, it was okay. Where's the camera? We're going. Oh, was already in position with one camera, three quarters of the way up change the camera two and camera two would show or the second ring cam would show just before the landing but it looked sharp and or it looked tight enough that he might have got some of it didn't get all of it but got some i'm glad you said that by the way that if you're ever watching a uh, a wrestling show and you hear the commentator say didn't get all of it that's their polite way of saying they they messed up what they were trying to do. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's, it's so transparent and, and unfortunately fell into that trap many times. Like potentially didn't get all of that. And yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, okay. No, they missed. But it was, it, it's, it's that whole thing. It's like, it's still, it hides. 
any any mistakes mm. across the board should be either hidden or you you can edit a lot of them where like where a move doesn't fully land or a punch doesn't fully land mm. quick a quick cut cut to a different angle if you have it um that being said you never cut straight back to the hard cam it always okay. has to be or it should always be to the other ring cam if that's in position because what you're trying to achieve is oh we're we're cutting to this angle because it might be better than what you were looking at yeah whereas if you cut from uh, a ring cam to the hard cam halfway through a move it's a case of you're hiding you're blatantly hiding something and people who aren't editors will pick like the normal fan will pick it up because it's like hang on why why are we coming back here like yeah. what what's going on um so yeah so just the timing of the cuts is probably a big one that I would do. I've been lucky with wrestling that there haven't been many occasions where uh, the editing is hard to to hide things or just make a, a match just completely disappear because it was that bad. Yeah, uh, there have been. There are a couple. Like I can count them on one hand. Uh, <laughs> where if anyone asked, "Oh, where is this match?" It never happened. No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't happen. Or no, the the tape cut out. Anything like that. But yeah, no. no unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, you're honest or fault about that. Um, but you you mentioned there as well the hard cam. Um, just generally speaking, and, and for those listening, the hard cam is your fixed camera, uh, right. where you haven't got someone. Most of the time, you haven't got someone moving around with it or trying to get like the action shots or the tight close-ups of the action um and then you usually have as you mentioned before a couple of cameras then roaming around the outside to get those you know those action shots and you know you see the see the faces you know squirm after they've been hit by the big move but just with your philosophy when it comes to editing are you a less is more person in terms of the the hard cam um is that more so to re-establish or to to let a moment breathe or what's the sort of your view of how liberally or unliberally you use that hard cam versus the the mobile cameras so hard cam i would have that that's your that's your base point mm. that's when you're returning to base uh when a match starts it'll start from the hard cam uh if you have a a, a fat uh, like any sort of move sequence uh and i hate calling i hate calling them sequences i'm you've, you've got like something going in the ring you should, in theory, be cutting to the ring cam because you want to get up close and personal and see it. Yeah. Um, when you've had, uh, say, a double down or they've kicked out uh, at a two count mm -hmm. and they're lying, if they're just not, or if there's no immediate reaction uh, that needs to be filmed, you cut back to hard cam and you just rinse and repeat from there. Uh, the hard cam is. And this is one of those things where it's my philosophy. The hard cam is static. It's not zooming in. It's not zooming out. If you want to do all the moving hard cam stuff, put another camera next to it. Yeah. Because while they all look fantastic and yeah, you're super specky and you've, you're getting the impacts and all the rest, what are you missing? Because when, and it's also a pain as the editor where I have the hard cam framed 
And now because it was zoomed in uh, five seconds ago and they've zoomed it back out, but there's a 5% difference in the framing, mm. it, it's thrown out. It's like, cool, I now have to go back to my original shot, zoom that in so it's all framed correctly. Yeah. Um, so do that with another camera. Don't touch the hard cam. Personal opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense as well. I mean, I'm not really much of an editor myself, or you know, maybe put together a couple of music videos to Mick Foley matches back in the day, and you know, played around with 3D Movie Maker when I was probably nine as well. But that's the extent. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense there. Um, we've touched on it there just in your answers, but just before we move on to um, created by Giles and sort of how that's opened up so much more for you as well. Um, just a quick maybe dot point on on each. What is the the best thing or what you like most seeing out of uh, an edit and what do you hate seeing the most out of an edit? Uh, an edit, what I like the most is uh, when it all comes together. And I mean, so just let's say in the nature of a promo video where the music matches the footage the beat of the music mm. it's there it builds and it all just it ties into the emotion that you're trying to get of hey here's this video where we're talking about xyz this is why you should care and care by attending this promotion or this uh, event or it's enough that what you see um on the screen it visually and audio it, it, it perks up your interest so you look at it and go sweet i'm gonna go buy a ticket to that not just wrestling just everything in general um what i hate seeing in editing is uh that'll do attitude where some are uh, like you'll put you'll put something together and it's just like hey the music doesn't really match what you're going for here oh but i like that track yeah yeah but it doesn't match like it takes away from what you're trying to sell here because it's an upbeat uh upbeat music and you're you're going very very somber something like that um but then it's a shrug of the shoulders oh yeah but it'll do yeah no no <laughs> Because that comes across, that comes across if you, if you've got that attitude of that'll do, well, you know, even though you may not expressly say and whatever you've created, people who are watching can feel that. They can feel yeah. it's like, oh, okay, that's what they went with. It could have been a little bit more tightly tuned there or whatnot, but that feeling comes across. And don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm not the be all and end all of uh, of videos of everything is the way or everything I do it should be the way you do it. Um but I, I, if I ever get to a point where I'm working on a video and I, in the back of my head, I go, oh, that'll do. It's like, yeah. nope, put it down, close the file, go, go make yourself a coffee or uh, go to the gym, something like that. Walk away from it because that's going to come across. Even if it's like only like three to four seconds, it'll come across and I will watch it back and go, I really hate that. Yeah. And especially for people who are paying money, um, you you should want to give them the best possible product. So under promise and over deliver um, rather than just that'll do. 
because yeah. that's what they remember as well as clients. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, I think that's a really good advice for not only editing, but anyone who's involved in that sort of creative sphere um, or even, you know, even training for, for an athlete as well. If you get to that point where it's like, that'll do take a break, take that step away. Um, even in the corporate world, it's something that I believe in, in my nine to five is like, if you're feeling those like, okay, now I'm just ticking boxes or whatnot. All right. You're not giving it your, your best, take a step, walk away, work on a puzzle as it were, as our workplace has, and just you, uh, disconnect from it for a moment. But 100%. yeah, no, absolutely agree with that. Um, now because of your, I guess your diligence to your, your effort and your abilities, you, you were able to make the leap in terms of uh, going and making your own company, as it were, in terms of created by Giles, where not only are you doing editing, you're doing um, the filming and doing a whole bunch of other stuff now outside of that professional wrestling world. So tell us a little bit about created by Giles and, and what brought you to that moment going, okay, well, I'm going to take what I've learned here with my uni through my time there in EPW and I'm going to have a, a, a make a fist of this. Spite. <laughs> I know you're absolutely right with that, but you still got me. You still got me, Giles. Oh, no. Um, so, no, like, funnily enough, uh, the little story on it, obviously I was I was doing all the editing um, for EPW and uh, leading up to, or like, especially during 2019, mm. I was segueing out. I was doing little bits and pieces here and there. Um, for show reels and because I, I would get like occasionally musicians or uh, people who are trying to get into acting needing a show reel put together. Yep. So I was putting it all together. And um, two things happened. One was a wrestler uh, had gone off, got another video or got a video made by someone else, which 100% fine, like not crapping on it. It was a very nice video. And the wrestler flippantly turned around and went, Oh, well, look, when, when you're he as good as him, you'll be able to charge so much more. Yeah. I I know that your brain has not met your mouth. <laughs> and you don't mean it the way you said it. But yeah. you said it. Um, so that was that was probably one thing that irked me. Mm. Um, but then what was beginning to happen was someone completely out of field started advertising how they were going to be doing showreels for, uh, in particular, WAPA students. Yeah. And it's just like, I can make this, and this is how much money I'm charging, and this is what you'll get. And I looked at, like, I was seeing, like, the examples that they were putting up, and in my head, I was looking going, that sucks, and you should not be charging people that much yeah. for that. Like, that actually bothers me, because... Um, other people or someone's going to pay that get that and you're inadvertently hurting other videographers um, yeah. who could be so much better so it happened that um, I was I was over at uh, uh, the Rose's house one one afternoon and surprise surprise I was procrastinating about these two segments and Donna who Loves me dearly, apparently, and has known <laughs> me for years. She got the point where it's just like, Giles, shut the F up or do something about it. Yeah. And I was just like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you say you're like, you should be earning this and you should 
you could be doing this and blah, blah, blah. Put up or shut up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you've obviously listened to me complain enough about this. And and you've broken I'll... the nicest human being in the, <laughs> yeah. in the universe. You feel like um, the Rose is Donna and, and CJ Rose, who does some really great uh, announcing work around around the state as well um, with uh, wrestling and and uh, mixed martial arts and boxing and all that sort of thing. But Donna Rose is one of the best human beings on the planet and you broke her jaws. Oh, she, she, she actually, and if you've ever had the conversation where she's had to pull the wind out of sails, she always starts it with, I love you, hon, but, <laughs> and as soon as I got that, I'm like, oh yeah, I got done messed up because yeah. she's, she's listened to me and she's had enough of my procrastination. Yeah. So, and because you, you've known me for a fair number of years, you know, I can be a bear with a sore tooth when there's something oh, yeah. that annoys me. <laughs> I'm not going to let it go until, until I do something about it. Well, we so, had to uh, hit record on this so that we didn't go down that path <laughs> before we, <laughs> exactly. like, let's just record so we don't go down, the, the, you know, in segue because we're, we're both, as I said, about 20 mm-hmm. times in the interview with uh, Brett last week is uh, yeah. we're very time poor people. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, so Donna's put you in, in your place. Yep. So it was just as a, a segue to this, I, and we've talked about it off air. Uh, I listened to that podcast and you did not have him talk about coffee and breakfast for <laughs> any extended period. I've listened to that guy talk about coffee and breakfast and he was repeating himself <laughs> for four hours. It's like a lava lamp. It's hypnotic and it's amazing every time. He made me feel bad for drinking flat whites. Well, but <laughs> I know not to talk coffee with Brett because yeah. one time I made the mistake of saying, you know, I don't mind 7-Eleven coffee. And I don't think he spoke to me for like a year. You <laughs> broke him. Yeah, yeah, I broke him. Yeah. He, he became That's like so you sad. broke Donna. I broke yeah. Brett. Yeah. See, segues. Um, so that that was it. Like this is, uh, um, she said that to me and I was just like, well, I'm going to have to do something about it or I'm never going to be able to talk about this sort of thing again. Um, so January 2020, I thought perfect time to launch it because <laughs> Fringe Festival is kicking off yes and i knew i knew a couple of performers um who as soon as they heard that i was going to be or was offering my services to film and edit their shows straight in so i thought i was off to a great start actually got um i i was able to do a white knight impersonation for a wa company called Connecticut. yeah because they're the third videographer that they had booked to film their show had bailed uh-huh. and they they were literally um going we we need somebody is anyone available now connecticut is a circus-based um company and that was what their show was so i got recommended to them and I, like i was asking what do you do it's like oh aerials and all these other um activities and i was just like this is like a wrestling show yeah not yeah i can do this not a problem at all um and the good thing is they've they've continued they're a returning customer for me so and i thoroughly enjoy filming their shows as a blatant name drop but well um you've got some great clips of theirs on your socials as well which we'll plug at the end but some of the stuff they do is remarkable uh it's just like can't recommend highly enough to follow along with with those shows and just 100 i like how how human beings are able to do that i do not know at, at, at a height or just very bendy or just like from random costumes that they have 
it's they always bring like top notch. Mm. So anytime I get the message going, hey, uh, we've got a show on, it's like, yep, I'm there. I'll film yeah. it. I'll see you later. But then January 2020, I got a couple of fringe shows going. That was great. Uh, I was editing the EPW show. So it's like, this is this is great. Nothing could possibly stop the train from rolling here except a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, that'll, that'll uh, derail you a bit. Um, and also, like, on a, a personal thing, got like a had a doctor's appointment as well um and he had turned around and went oh yeah by the way you've got a soft tissue sarcoma so we're going to be lopping off the top half of your foot um so that's going to be a couple of months where you're not going to be walking around yeah. like that's that's kind of really crimping on being able to film uh live performances yeah so 2020 was a bit rough but the the good part of it was that it gave me the time to reinvest in myself mm-hmm. um, of, okay, what have we got? Let's, let's change the equipment. Let's upgrade the equipment to go with this. Hey, there's a bit more with the, um, there's changes in after effects. So let's jump online. Let's do a bit more study on, on, on doing that. Uh, at the same time as well, like I had um, stopped doing the EPW uh, events edits so which was very convenient because obviously no one could put a show on um (laughs) so it was more i would still i was doing promo videos and entrance videos so it was a lot more time to sit back reinvest in myself work out different things and different strategies and how to promote so then when we got to the beginning of 2021 fringe was kicking off again perth was actually able to do fringe and there was just the influx of uh, of more people going, hey, we'd like our show recorded. Sure, not a problem. Um, and then just building that reputation from there. Yeah. And and that was the thing. So you really launched into it and, uh, you know, with that enforced pause got you to really dig deep into, okay, how can I make this better or how can I present myself a better to do more? So what sort of stuff do you do now with created by giles like in terms of um what's the services i guess you offer and some highlights of what you've done so far in that the last couple of years well one of the, one of the major things that i do is i don't do my own social media um, <laughs> yes that's smart <laughs> i i am horrible at self-promotion um so that that was one of the things that like i looked into i i've gotten I got someone who uh, is very good at putting posts together. So I'll make the videos. I'll do all the work and I get her to do the, the pro it's like, make me sound good and uh, get clients. Like that's your job. Um, so from there it's, I will, these days I'm doing uh, still obviously promotional videos for a lot of different uh, groups, uh, Connecticut. So circus, um obviously wrestling still to a degree uh same with the entrance videos i'm filming uh if you name a live performance i'm probably filming it which is great um i've had the opportunity to do stand-up comedy burlesque uh charity events uh acrobats uh traditional circus like um 
Muay Thai and boxing as well. So back to the fact that this is a sports podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you for bringing that back. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, just being able to really uh, bring something to it and just promote it. Cause that's probably the big thing as well. Being able to um, bring awareness for everybody that, Hey, these sort of shows are actually occurring. And I think that's, that's something that we're all still catching up to with a degree of the power of not just social media, but um, video media as a whole that, People have the attention span of about 15 seconds. Yeah. They're not going to read a post more often than not, unless they're intrigued enough, in which case they probably already bought tickets to your event. Yeah. But if you've got a video that within 15 seconds can catch their eye, you're more likely to get someone to go, Hey, you know what? I'm going to watch the rest of this video, which where the link to buy tickets is at the end. Or maybe yep. just at the bottom if it's a reel for Instagram. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And and we'll we'll speak about that a lot in terms of the the power of that, you know, that marketing, catch your attention and then have that direct link to, okay, I can purchase now. And that's why it's important to have your most visually or impressively striking stuff there uh, available in that video format. Because, you know, endless hours now are just, killed in a day by scrolling 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 if you can actually get someone to stop scrolling then you've you've won half the battle already um with yourself being i guess your own boss for want of a better term in this endeavor i mean you've still got a nine to five as to most of us who to do things in the sports and or events industry but um what do you find the biggest challenges are in being sort of a a freelance company like created by giles in terms of you know looking for work and and getting your name out there uh, it's well the self-promotion <laughs> that's 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 a huge thing yeah. um, and that that was why I was just like look I know that uh, I'm not very good at it I'm a very point A to point B sort of person I don't do fluff very well so I need someone who can do the fluff quite well do that um, and I also if it's not apparent by now have a very dry sense of humor so <laughs> doesn't really translate quite well until I've met the client um, to yeah. go from there. Uh, the other big thing, especially for a freelancer, is knowing your worth. And yeah. it's even when I was starting out or uh, not just in 2020, but even today, I'll get people who reach out going, hey, we want to book you for this. And this is what we want. And we are happy to pay you in exposure. Yeah. And I, I am happy to recommend you to someone else. Yeah. And this, and once again, personal opinion of these sort of things. I don't work for exposure. Yeah. Um, the reason being uh, can be summed up very, very simple of Eric, you've hired me. You're my target audience, not your target audience. Yes. Your target audience is completely different. So I'm targeting you, not your audience. So the exposure is not going to happen. Yeah, um, that makes sense. To, to equate to money to me. And it's also a case of uh, while I'll work for you for exposure on this project, you are never actually going to pay me uh, appropriately on the next project. 
because you've already got me to do it for free. Yes. For exposure. Yeah. So here's the thing. There are ways to work around that in, and a, a great example of it is, is some of the promo videos that I do uh, for various, various groups. The footage I filmed is uh, then utilized, obviously with all permissions from the respective clients. There are people who have turned around and said, hey, can you please not use our footage for anything? 100% fine. You've paid yep. me for a gig. That's good. Others are like, we're more than happy for you to do it. Sweet. That's the exposure. That's that's what I utilize as exposure. So um, it's like your own show reel. Like you, you have made yeah. show reels for other people. But if you want to um, promote and exhibit what you do as a videographer and an editor, that's your show reel. And that's where they can have that mutually beneficial relationship there with a job. Exactly. And that that's the thing. Like there, there will be people where they will go, uh, oh, that's a bit too pricey for what we want. I'm like, not a problem. Uh, I, I will recommend to other videographers or other photographers that I know who might be willing to do it or uh, have a different price structure or something like that. Like I, I pass it on. I just don't flat out say, no, go away. It's, yeah. hey, listen, unfortunately, I might not be the right uh, videographer for you. However, uh, speak to this company. They might have some availability or availability or willingness to do this, or it might be something more up their alley of uh, the type of work. The big thing, I don't really do f uh, photography. Yeah. Like I, I like video. Uh, however, I have worked with some phenomenal photographers uh, around the time and especially when we're at a performance, they get the very relaxed but firm hand on the shoulder going, you're getting a great shot from down there. Stay there because I'm behind you filming and I don't need your head appearing in my, in my shot. <laughs> yeah. So I think they've gotten used to that as well. But um, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest challenges for as a freelancer. Yeah. Big time. And that knowing your worth is so important. And um, you know, I've, I've engaged with you um, to do some work and I think, you know, you're reasonably priced, you're not necessarily, you know, you, you're cheap or you're free, but you're not, you know, you know, that I have to after pay you, but, um, but it, it is important because then I guess what you've got to weigh up as from the, as a client is that what do you want this to say about you? And, um, I think you mentioned um, before, it's like, oh yeah, that's good enough. That'll do. But, and that's and that's the difference between saying, hey, I have to pay creator by Giles X, Y, Z, or I can get Joe Blow down the road there to do it. He'll do it for free. He'll do it for exposure. He'll do it just because he really wants to help out, which is great. Good attitude to have in that one. But the quality difference is going to be that decision you have to make as a client. And not that this is an infomercial for created by Giles, but I think that's a really, really good point that you make there because you've got to weigh that up when you're looking to to find the right fit for you from a, a videographer, an editor, what what may be. Um, what do you think the, the biggest challenge or difficulty is with what you do in terms of the actual uh, I was going to say game day, but event day capturing of the, the footage. So actually going a little bit more granular to what you're doing there on show day. Uh, stressing constantly about the equipment. Okay. Um, I'm, I'll, I will, I always get there at least 30 odd minutes before doors open, set up. I'm double checking the cameras, making sure the white balancing is all set. And then I'm walking away. 
and I'm walking back to that camera and checking it just one more time, just to be, yeah, no, battery's still going. Yeah, yeah, cool. Maybe just one more check, just to go from there. <laughs> like, it's just that paranoia. But yeah. in between all of that, it's also uh, touching base with the production desk. Uh, in particular, the lighting guy. Always make, if, if you're a videographer, make friends with the lighting guy because yeah. that person can ruin your day inadvertently <laughs> where you you go in and say oh yeah cool here's this here's this event uh this uh stage setup yeah not a problem at all suddenly strobe effects and nothing but white light and it's like okay great so everything is overexposed and i have white blobs where the performers are yeah really probably should have just spoke to the uh the the lighting person and find out what sort of setups are they running there so um that's also the like that's all before the show um plus it's the whole thing as well of like you're just you're also making those relationships of if you rock up to another venue and it's the same lighting person they already know you and it's yeah. oh hey how you doing yeah cool having a great day yeah how's this show going yep sweet is there anything that I might need to know uh, uh, in regards positioning or anything along those lines? That's the same thing. As soon as I rock up, I know who my client is. Uh, so I'm reaching out to them and asking, is there anything that I need to know? And this ties right back back to the history of when I was a referee. Yes. Going up to the talent going, is there anything I need to know for what we're about to do? So yes. that way... I know, hey, you're going up to the third floor uh, and spinning around on some silks and then letting go and dropping. And <laughs> uh, you're going to catch yourself with your feet and it's going to look amazing. I know my camera needs to be able to go down with the drop. Yes. Or, yeah, hard cam's not going to be able to catch that because it's going to be focused on the stage and you're doing it over there. So... It's, yeah, just as spatial awareness is probably the big thing as well. Figuring out, right, where am I going to be positioned? And that's that's a thing that I do where it's it's a personal preference as a, as a different thing. I will generally not take a front row seat up uh, as the videographer to film your performance. Yep. That seat belongs to a paying customer. So get them in there. Uh, I will figure it out. I've got my hard cam, so I have the fo- the performance focused. Am I roaming? I will be walking around the backs of the uh, audience and making sure I'm getting a different angled shot because the one thing that you don't want is someone's paid $70, $80 to see this show. They don't need to see my backside in jeans for 15 minutes. Although, I mean, I'd pay 70. Lot, I'd yeah. pay 70 bucks for that. <laughs> All those squats are paying off. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so if, if you've ever seen me filming, uh, that's probably a bad thing, uh, but yeah. more likely you've seen me because I'm crouched down and my knees are killing me because yeah. I'm getting this great shot from here. Uh, like I try to avoid blocking anyone's line of sight whilst also making sure I get that shot. Yeah. 
it's such an important thing there and and it's a you know it's probably just a common decency thing as well rather than just you know the technical aspects behind it but you're absolutely right sometimes um i think some videographers or or photographers can forget that whilst it is so important to create that really good vision and capture those moments for future use your your main client is the people who are in the building and that's the same for you know a company that that hires you and says we want this really awesome footage because the reason they want this really awesome footage is to attract more people through the door the next time around rather than just only have that that online keepsake of it as well so it's a really important thing that you mentioned there for the people in attendance and, and your role there so yeah. um just want to talk about you do such a wide range of things now uh starting from from humble pro wrestling to now you mentioned there the um the acrobats the the burlesque the comedy i know you do a lot of work with luke boland uh, who's an absolute gem of a comedian who we both know but what do you find the differences are is there something technically that you approach differently when it comes to the different show types and genres that you do do you have different principles for each or is it a gut feel talk us through that process of what you would look at doing a say a pro wrestling versus uh acrobats versus a, com- a comedy show surprisingly there's not much difference between a pro wrestling show and a circus or acrobats show mm. um, i think it's because they're both really a physical media yeah, uh, the difference of it being, if anything, in the post production, you're not going those quick cuts to hide anything in yep. an acrobatic show because they've they've practiced this routine. They know exactly where everything's going to be going. If if you are actually editing, uh, something has maybe stuffed up, but they will they will continue on to go from there. Um, comedy comedy is just it's very it's very static. Um, you know, I always run with, as I say, a minimum of two cameras yep. um, just for this, well, probably my own paranoia to make sure that everything's filming and I've captured everything. But um, those sort of performances are a bit more static. Uh, comedy, burlesque, probably more static yep. uh, in the positioning, whereas circus and wrestling are more aligned as the physical media, uh, that physical media, as I said. Um, they're very, very similar. Yep. What What's in your time now with not only created by Giles, but the entire time looking at promo videos, editing and things like that, what can you say have been the most rewarding events or moments that you've worked on? <sighs> it's a tough one. Um, I was going to say question without notice, but I did send you these. So you, yeah, I know. You, got, you I can't know. fame that. Been, like, I don't oh, have the Jeopardy music ready to go here for you. <laughs> Oh no! Look, there, there are the, uh, there, there's a few um, that I can think of. Funnily enough, one of them, uh, probably the most rewarding one. Oh, it's not even that. One of the ones that I really enjoyed was, funnily enough, working with Luke uh, mm. on a show called, or one of his shows called "Beside Himself." Ah, yes, yep. We spent eight months filming. Uh, everything the 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 video component of that, so we got opportunity to practice having three loops in one shot, and um, making sh- making it look like he all he was there, yeah. Or there was three clones of him. Uh, I to this day feel like that show was criminally unappreciated. 
for what it was doing. So oh, big time. I, I went and watched that show um, because uh, we crossed paths with Luke, my old job, uh, very similar to his nine to five. I won't break his confidences there, but we went as a group there and, and went and yeah. watched that and, you know, laughed our asses off. It, well, I, we really all enjoyed the show. Yeah. And it was like, I, I always enjoy Luke's work. So it was very easy for me. Well, yeah, uh, that helps. Yeah. So like just trying something a bit different uh, in that, that was, or those video packages were probably really rewarding and watching a show and seeing how well he had it synced up and just the subtle little things that he was doing in the live performance mm. that were uh, mentioned in the video packages that I wasn't even aware that there was a tie-in, but he mm. had these tie-ins there. So really enjoy that. A lot of, in all honesty, the the rewarding is probably the uh, some of the promo videos that I've done, where I've had people turn around and go, "Man, that was awesome," or you just see you see people's reaction like uh, backs straightening because they're they're engaged with what you've made. Uh, that's that's where I get the reward out of it. Yeah, and. And you've seen that visual cue. I mean, it is really satisfying because you know that like that person straightening up, leaning in, just, yeah, that it must be great. Um, with that in mind, what's the future look like for, for yourself and Created by Giles? It sounds weird saying that they're two separate entities because you are Created by Giles, but, and you are Giles. So it's quite it's a, try to paradox there we've got going there, not to get all Doctor Who on it, but um what what's the future look like there? What any future goals or what's what's in the pipeline there for for yourself and the and the freelance and freelance? Well, look, obviously the the grand dream is like bigger and better than uh, I was this year, mm. um, which it, it is one of those little caveats that I'm able to look back at the or look back at where I was last year and the year before, and I can see the growth and it's getting that reputation that I'm the one to uh, reach out to. Um, I've got a couple, there's a couple of events uh, as we're getting to Christmas that I'm filming, which is great. They're uh, returning. I guess that's the important one. It's that returning customer. Yes. Already worked with them. So they know to reach out to you again. Like new customers are fantastic. Um, but the returning ones where it's like, yeah, I like that. Um, Fringe Festival for 2024 uh, starts in Jan 19th. So I've already had a couple of people reach out and say hey we need to book you and we know not to leave it to last minute so please <laughs> make sure that you're free on this date like yep not a problem well you are uh, in demand i mean you're you're shooting off after this as well which again as i always say <laughs> i always say on the show it's like yes. don't date the podcast but yeah you are literally running off to a gig after this chat so yeah was, you're very much very, in demand <laughs> yeah it was very much a case of like i had a uh, a performer reach out to me on Friday and go, hey, would you be available for this at one o'clock? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that should be fine. Oh, by the way, I got it wrong. It's 1230. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll be there. I'll see you do. So uh, <laughs> although that being said, it's always good to be recommended. Uh, once I figure oh, out who yeah. it was that recommended me. Um, I'm very nosy on that sort of thing of like, so hang on, who is it that's passing my name around? Because I'd like to know, like, what are you saying? Um but yeah, look, I, there, there are there are a couple of projects that are in the pipeline uh, going from there. And just very, very intrigued to see what 2024 brings. Yeah. And and 
I certainly am because I love uh, looking along on your socials and looking, I mean, you're very generous in the clips that you share and and obviously your clients are very generous as well in in letting them uh, share that as well. So um, where can we find you if we want to engage with you and, and use you as a videographer or editor or something we've got uh, in the pipeline? Um, where would we find you um, on the socials? I know you're not the socials guy, so to speak, but how can we find you to book you and look at your work? So available on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as at created by Giles, all one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a Twitter or an X account. I well, I don't use it. <laughs> so if you message me on Twitter, uh, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna get responded. Um, so uh, besides that, there's also website www.createdbygiles.com. Uh, where you can reach out to me there as well, or yeah, drop a DM in uh, any of the socials and either I will respond or my social media manager will send me an abusive message and say, would you please respond to that message that's in there? I'm getting annoyed by notifications. Like, yep, sure. Not a problem. Yeah. Oh, and did I, I, I can't recommend jumping on your, your tube, uh, YouTube and, and the website enough there because uh, you know, you've got a lot of really great clips there that really show not only the, the quality, but the versatility of what you do as well. So um, definitely very much. No, no, you've done a really cracking job from uh, where you started in terms of you terrible social media presence to having this uh, online. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that as a mate, but um, yeah. no, oh, it's horrible. Um, but having, you know, the showcase of your work is just as important as the people that, that you showcase then and can't recommend that enough. So before we uh, wrap up for today, because you are off to a gig very shortly, um, what what are your, your final words or anything like there you'd like to share to, whether it's, you know, not necessarily someone as a sales pitch, but if someone is looking for a video, videographer or an editor or someone who's looking to, to get involved in that side of things and, and try their hand at it. Look, it can be it can be very very rewarding, um, but you've got to be doing it for the right reasons. Um, like all all joking aside, is there like I'm saying yes, I've I'm nuts to be doing it. It's a lot of long hours, um, like just a lot of sanity checks as well, because um, you might have missed a shot or there's something like that. But it is very, very rewarding um, when it all comes together. And those moments where you get a video and you you might get like the hair standing up on your arm, you know, you've got, once you know you've got something, it's good from there. Uh, that being said, be prepared for criticism. Um, I am, and funnily enough, Eric, had, you had sent me a video once that you had put together and asked me, oh, what are your thoughts? And yeah. I turned around and went, I don't like this. I don't like that. This looks good. Uh, maybe not that. And, and I never, never asked it me again. again <laughs> because <laughs> the bits that I didn't like were all the things that you had filmed. <laughs> yeah, like someone, I liked someone else's footage. But it's it's that whole thing of um, anyone can tell you what you're doing right. Yes. That's not, that's not, and this isn't just videography. This is everything. Mm. Um that's not the feedback that you need. You need to be told, hey, this didn't work as yeah. well. Or, hey, maybe have a look at this. 
And a lot of the time, uh, tying it into video, you already kind of know that. Or if yeah. someone's removed, if you remove that, it's like, hey, I'm going to have to work this entire video again because this segment has been removed. But that person who, or a couple of people have told me this doesn't work, they are right. We'll go from there. So that it ties into that uh, that'll do attitude and all the rest of be prepared for criticism. Don't uh, don't make excuses. If you can't do something, just say you can't do it. Yeah. Um, and and go from there. But yeah, do it as long as you enjoy it. Because yeah. the day that you don't enjoy it, it's going to show in your work. So yeah, go from uh there. Hundred percent, and I can't, I can't agree. Like I agree with ninety nine point nine nine percent of that because uh, I won't agree with the point one percent that said my work was shocking. But, uh, <laughs> I don't work there anymore, so it doesn't matter. Personal, they can, personal they can, opinion, personal yeah. opinion. I didn't like it, so like take that, take the criticism on board, or nah, like, just go. Nah, nah. Giles just, is a jerk. I, <laughs> I was well aware of this. Two things can be right. I can take the criticism and say Giles is a jerk. Um, but but um, two points to what you just said there, like um, you know even even with his show like i ask for feedback and and i do get some really honest feedback from people close to me um that just don't sugarcoat what's going not well versus what's going well as well so um it's so important to take that on board and learn from it if it's coming from the right place but that last point about if you're not enjoying something don't do it and you and i personally have been in situations where we go look this particular aspect of what we're doing not enjoying it anymore why are we still doing it why are we putting ourselves through it and have sort of moved away from it. So I think that's so important because, um, you know, we only get so many uh, ticks of the clock on this, on this planet. Don't, don't waste it on things that you aren't enjoying, change the circumstance, change the environment, get yourself in a position of enjoying it. And then whatever it is, whether it's your, your hobby, your sport, your work, it will flourish. So I think, 100%. you know, for all the technical goodness that you've given us there, I think that's probably the lasting thing to, to come out of it is just enjoy it and you'll love it. It's, exactly yeah. well with that in mind i'm gonna let you go um because you know um as i mentioned last week on the show we have got uh gas bagging for quite a while now um <laughs> but i've really enjoyed the chat and and uh, hopefully our, our listening viewership have have got some real gems out of that so giles really appreciate your time today and uh all the best and uh, we'll keep an eye out on the future there for all the big upcoming stuff that you've got in the pipeline Thank you very much for having me. Well, that was great to hear from Giles, not only to catch up, but to hear a little bit more about editing, that technical side of things, and what makes for a, a good show in that post-production. So, I mean, for our listening viewership it would have been great to pick up some tips there and also that reliability piece I think that's a little bit unsung especially when you're first trying to make your way whether it's events whether it's sports I think we touched on it a little bit with the interview with Bailey a few weeks back but that being dependable being there and uh, really rolling your sleeves up there so a great chat uh, make sure you hit up created by Giles on the socials he's uh Diary's feeling up uh, better than uh, Giacomo Casanova's. Uh, he's very much in demand at the moment. So uh, especially going to fringe season here in Western Australia, um, if you're looking for someone to capture your performance in a really high-level, world-class, elite way, that's the man to hit up. So created by Giles. Thank you very much for that, Giles. Uh, before we go today, one of the things about being 
able to do the episode more with a, a weekend release. Obviously, last week, Cake Week, yes. Uh, this week, uh, you know, <laughs> very much a cricket-heavy week. Uh, you know, community cricket clubs, they're a heck of a lot of fun to volunteer for. And I mean that genuinely, but they can take a little bit out of your calendar for sure. But uh, what it did allow me to, to do here with uh, you, my loyal listening viewership, is that uh, I was able to go to the Perth Lynx game last night. And of course, as you should never do on a podcast, is date the episode. But um, we were able to go to the season opener, a couple of mates and I, against the Sydney Uni Flames. And I tell you what, you know, we here, we, me, I, I'm the team, but we here at Hey Pal, I'm Culture. It's like when... Um, um, you know, footy reporters, they'll do it. They go, well, uh, so-and-so footy organization can, uh, can report when it's really the guy who just rang the, the person with the source. So it's just like, as we can report on blah, 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 as we can report on, Hey Pal, I'm coachable. Um, it was great. It was the season opener against the Sydney Uni Flames and, uh, it was a new look link side. We spoke about that with Jacinta Govind, um, a few weeks ago on the WNBL preview keep saying a few weeks ago like this is some sort of serial drama that you've got to be like following along like 24 or something like previously on hey pal i'm coachable um i don't know what that voice was that's not Kiefer sutherland but um there was a new look side so it was always going to be a little bit different to see how they play and i thought um it was a really impressive performance in so many ways it's still you know those round one sort of uh, cobwebs, as it were, not from Itsy Bitsy, who is very much vacated this studio now, which is great. Uh, as I don't very much like him hanging down and looking at me, as I again give it the side eye just to make sure that he isn't now just picking his opportunity to just spring a trapdoor. But um, yeah, it was it was really good to see they had the cobwebs. Um, they'll get a bit more understanding and connection and chemistry as the season progresses. You know, there's one thing, you know, scrimmages and as as much match sim and all that sort of thing versus the actual, um, the real thing, the authentic. You know, this is a WNBL game. This is round one. It's for points. So you're always going to have that sort of difference. But um, I was really impressed by, as was everyone, <laughs> I mean, shocking, the, the person who gets 21 rebounds, yeah, impressive. So Annalie Maley, just uh, first game for the Lynx, playing against her, her old side, um, the side that uh, played with during the lockdown season. And in Sydney, it's pretty much trying to go to a pub after 9 o'clock. So, you know, it wasn't much difference if you had a lockdown. Um, I'm joking, Sydney siders. I know your lockdown sucked much more than Western Australia. I'm aware of that. We're jerks here in WA. But uh, yeah, 21 boards and 15 points for the uh, first up hit-up. Um, and I was really so super impressed by Erie McDonald. I mean, her speed, just unbelievable. It's like the old um, cliche, like smoke through a keyhole. Just couldn't keep up with her. It was magnificent to watch. So some really, really promising signs there for the Lynx for uh, round one. Uh, I know on uh, Jacinta's uh, Instagram page, she ran a bit of a poll and it looked like it was very much heavily weighted in terms of people think that the the, the Flames were going to win. And uh, no, the Lynx, it was a really, really dominant performance. Um, the Flames hung in there, but it just seemed like every quarter, those last couple of minutes were sort of, you know, they, well, there was not a lapse, but it was just they would allow that margin to go from that two-possession game back out to that 10 or 12 or something like that. So again, they never really get a strong foothold. So um, a lot to work on there, but... Um, I was also impressed by uh, Max game, Mackenzie Clinch Hoycard. Um, one of the things I noticed in the NBL one season, just that that increase in production of rebounds, and I think that that presence on defense it was really starting to show there um, for Mac in round one. 
And of course, we always love friend of the show, Chloe Forster, coming on towards the end there and just doing Chloe Forster things, just that penetration into the paint there, puts the hard hat on. Um, it was good to see there at the end to get some reward for her style of play. And for the Flames, it was always it's always interesting. It's just, it's, it's just fun, not fun to see. Fun's probably the wrong term, but Emma Clark, who obviously plays in the NBL One West uh, for Perry Lakes at the, at the bend at here in Western Australia. Um, and one of the things I love is like, she still gets like applauded and cheered and things like that when she she enters the court. So none of that really annoying tribalism BS that you see, especially in the footy codes. Um, hey, I've given you 300 games of my career. Sorry, I wanted to finish the last two years elsewhere. Boo, boo. Oh, no. I, I don't know who that was. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the sound of collective booing, apparently. Yep, hit put that up on Ben Sound or whatever. Yeah, you can license that for free. Boo, oh, She's pretty impressive, seeing that we're allowed bid strength here in Western Australia. But, um, yeah, Emma Clark, she was really good um, coming on there. Uh, ended up playing, you know, just under 20 minutes, I think, off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, really effective stuff. So, anyway, long, 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 long story. Kind of short. Anyway, um, really enjoyed the experience there at the Lynx. And I'm glad to see them get the first win on the board. And, yeah, the good things coming for the Perth Lynx. Touch wood, you know. Hit the old head on the uh, the fist on the noggin. Let's hope that the Lynx can go all the way here because of we're oh you know a bit of a one-eyed Lynx podcast here. Before I let you go though, I've got to share something that happened at the game. You might have seen it if you're silly enough to follow me on socials. Yeah, that's good selling point, Eric. That's why you didn't end up finishing your marketing degree. Um, it was funny because uh, obviously. People may know that I'm a lifelong Chicago Bulls fan. And, uh, you know, even before we just became a t-shirt company, because uh, for too many years we just worried about selling 23 jerseys rather than try and be good. Um, D. Rose does his knee, and then we go, okay, let's go back to being a t-shirt company. Eh, there's things forming there, but that's a, that's a podcast for another day. Anyway, lifelong Chicago Bulls fans, as many kids growing up in the 90s here in Western Australia were. And... Uh, who do I see when I look over? Well, I don't really look over. I look, you know, strongly, diagonally up direction. I see Luke Longley, the championship Chicago Bull player, West Australia's own, just absolute legend of the sport, legend of Australian basketball, you know, colossus, both figuratively and literally. And I'm like, oh, William, I've tried to be a little bit cooler in my old age now um, about, you know, excuse me, can I please get a photo? Um <laughs> That's apparently how I talk when I ask for photos. Um, but, the, you know, there's exceptions to rules. And you, you see people who are just like, you know, I'd like to capture this moment that I was fortunate enough to be in the same location at this time of year with this person. Um, so I just thought, okay, I might venture over and just ask the, the great man if I could get a photo. But I spy with my little eye. Uh, you know, it's just a guy, just a guy standing next to him, um, you know, coming along for the game, here to watch the Lynx kick some heavy-duty booty, and uh, I go, oh, I might just get a photo with that guy. I mean, there's Luke Longley, championship NBA player, absolute, you know, demigod of Australian basketball, but that guy next to him, I think I'm going to get a photo with him. So I go, because there was a little bit of a crowd um, uh, hanging around Luke at this time, and that's not, I'm not saying, oh, I just fast pass, I'm going to go. It's like when you're going home, it's like, oh, we'll get Maccas on the way home. You see the line out the drive-thru, you go, ah, oh, maybe we'll just go to Hungry Jack's. But uh, but actually, no, I think Hungry Jack's burgers are better. I don't know, I've, I've heard something about that. 
Uh, so I go to the guy next to him and I say, sorry, I hate to bother you. Excuse me, sir. No, I, 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 again, I, I don't think I've ever used that voice um, apart from the last three minutes. I say, excuse me, sir. Um, I know this is weird uh, and I just met you, but uh, I show him a little bit of ink work on my arm and I go, look, I'm a big fan. Uh, do you mind if I quickly take a selfie gimmick with you? And I won't, I won't pretend to get in this man's head, but he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Lovely bloke, no doubt about that. One of the best human beings in the sporting landscape ever. Yeah, he's good at sports. And so there I am, take a photo. And so rather than get a photo with, you know, Chicago Bulls legend, Luke Longley, I've got yet another, and that's an important thing, yet another photo with former Western Bulldogs captain, Bob Murphy. And you know what? No regrets, or no regrets if you get a tattoo artist who doesn't know how to spell no regrets. My captain, my captain. Lovely photo. Oh, actually, I, I'm ugly smiling, so it's not a great photo on my part. But, hey, I'm a lifelong Chicago Bulls fan, but nothing trumps the love for my beloved bully dogs. So, just thought I'd share that anecdote there with you. But, uh, more importantly, going back, let's uh, watch the links continue to dominate this year and hopefully uh, we continue to dominate in your hearts here at Hey Pal I'm Coachable. Again, as I always say, I'm appreciative of anyone who uh, pops pops these uh, dulcet tones into their ear holes and uh, makes me part of their weekly podcast rotation. I really appreciate it um, and that's that's all I ask. You know, listen in, enjoy. Thank you. Uh, send me any feedback, good, bad, indifferent, probably not indifferent. I mean, you could just say, I listen to the podcast and I'd be happy with that. That's great. Thank you. You know, makes me feel warm inside. Somebody listened. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to send any feedback through, please do. And if you are digging what we're putting down here, please, uh, you know, subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Please um, leave us a rating. The boffins love that. So uh, so that I can, you know, continue to grow organically um, because our marketing budget, well, you heard before, I failed my marketing degree, but my marketing budget is zero as well. So it's a recipe for success. Um, so please, if you are digging it, um, please give us a share on socials. So like, you know, the little retweet, not a repost, <laughs> repost, um, or, um, you know, on your Facebook or your MySpace or your uh, MSN Messenger, your ICQ, whatever it is that you are connecting with human beings, Tinder, put it as your Tinder profile pic. That's a way to give yourself a free Saturday afternoon because no one's going to hit you up. Um, just share it and uh, let your people know. Let your, your people you you like, people you don't like, you know, spam them with it. Um, you know, really appreciate it. And even if you don't do any of that, you know, homework, just tuning in and listening in. I am so appreciative. And even though this outro has been a little bit longer than usual, uh, trying a little bit something different. Weekend release, a little bit more of a chinwag, a little bit of a feedback about uh, some sporting events. I'm always glad to keep on evolving, keep on improving. But what I won't do is keep you too much longer. So thank you very much for your uh, listenership today. And uh, yeah, next week, a bit of an interesting guest. So uh, yeah, you'll have to stay tuned there. But uh, until next time, thank you for listening. And in same podcast time-ish, same podcast channel, this has been Hey Pal, I'm Coachable. Hey.